Hello there, Salim Omar here from the e-commerce Money Map podcast, bringing you another episode of an amazing show. I've got Bill Siebold with us. Bill, welcome. Hi, how are you? And thank you for having me. That's great. Bill, did I pronounce your last name appropriately? You did, which is funny. It's only six letters, but most people get it wrong. You've got it right. <laughs> All right, super. Bill's the founder and managing partner of GreenLane Search Marketing LLC, where he consults enterprise and e-commerce brands on SEO, PPC, CRO, analytics, content strategy, and display. He works with brands like Petco, Philadelphia Eagles, Spotify, Urban Outfitters, and dozens more. He's a recognized writer and occasional speaker on SEO topics. And he teaches digital marketing at the university level. He's been at it for a while. Started his SEO career in 96 with an online store doing SEO. And so he's been right there from the very, very beginning. Bill, I'm looking really forward to this. I started my business in 96. So I think we definitely have that in common. I started my accounting firm practice. Straight Talk, and that's evolved into a couple of other businesses, including my current business, which is East Senshi. But it all started in 1996. That's <laughs> great. Magic year. What a great Magic year. year. It is. It is. So, you know, we're talking about SEO, search engine optimization, and I've got a few minutes, 20 minutes, somewhere around that to really pick your brain and get your genius on SEO. Okay. And share with us some best practices or really, like, what's your philosophy of approaching SEO to deliver results? Best practices. As soon as I hear that word, I immediately, my back goes up. Because best practices, we always think about, hey, learn the best practices, employ the best practices. Here's the thing with Google, all right? So Google basically is a algorithm, an algorithm that is actually broken up into hundreds, who knows how many sub-algorithms. Google doesn't share all that stuff with us. It's our job to essentially suss out what Google is ultimately looking for. Now, what we do know is for each website, each vertical, each industry, Google isn't using the same signals, right? Google mm -hmm. isn't going to rank your pet retail store the same as a payday loans website. So using best practices basically gives Google the same thing that, think about it this way. If Google has to look at the entire sea of the internet and everybody looks the same, it's hard for Google to tell who's a part. So a lot of the best practice SEO is to get you onto the racetrack, but it's not really the stuff that gets you to, you know, ahead of the others. So best practices, first of all, figure out what best practices are for your industry. Don't just blindly go, all right, I have to do this because everybody else says to do this on the internet. So number one is work at figuring out what is right for you. But in terms of a way to start, Google has come a very long way in understanding the intent of a query. So if you go to a search engine, you go to Google, you have a need, you need something. You type in, in whatever manner that you type into Google, whether you like to use short words, like keywords, or you like to type in a long question, Google can parse it all. But what Google has gotten really good at is understanding what you're asking for. And here's an example. So if I go and I write, you're in Jacksonville, right? Let's say I, I type Jaguar. Well, does Google think I'm looking for the football team? Does Google think I'm looking for the car? Maybe Google thinks I'm looking for the old Atari system from the, from the day. It doesn't mm -hmm. know until it gets to know me and know sort of the way that I search. And it's using the same kind of data from other searchers. It's basically being incorporated in. They have a whole bunch of 
technology and methods and systems for, for doing this, but it's putting AI into Google, right? So Google's trying to better understand the intent. What does this ultimately mean? So if you go to a Google search result, and let's say you want to be number one for the term football helmets, you could look at what the search results are giving you. And if the results are generally not stores, maybe they're the top 10 football helmets, what you need to know about football helmets. Well, then Google has decided that that keyword won't rank stores. It will not rank transactional pages. It will only rank informational pages. So in Google's mind, that that keyword football means people are generally trying to find information about football helmets, not buy a football helmet. So understanding what Google thinks that query means is important information because you can then go and create a page that works with what Google expects. Instead of trying to keep pushing your store page on, I'm going to get it. I'm going to keep doing this SEO until I get, no, Google just is going to let you get it. Mm-hmm. So that's the very first step. Understand what, you know, you, you have a set of keywords that you want to go after. That's traditional SEO, but make sure that those keywords, if you could get a good ranking, does it fit on the search engine result page? If not, mm-hmm. write it a different way, create a different kind of content that will rank. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that's, what's going to drive the traffic, you know, into your site Mm-hmm. So is there like, I mean, trial and error testing, doing A-B testing, is there some of that going on and trying to kind of just get a sense of the trend or what's working, what's not? I think that as an SEO, that's your, that's your everyday job. I think of everything that we do as an experiment. You know, we practice agile marketing. So the idea is instead of putting together a six-month roadmap, we're coming together with monthly ideas, testing them, seeing how they work. Mm-hmm. You know, if they tell us in, in month two and you know, two and a half, hey, this is not right. Well, we're going to stop. The data is telling us. Once we get to, a, you know, some kind of reasonable statistical significance, we go, all right, it's time to change course. And to me, that's how you're successful with SEO. It's not putting something up and letting it sit for five months. It's, you can move these tests pretty quick and get results much faster than the old days, but you have to be able to pivot on that information. Eventually, mm-hmm. you suss out what Google's looking for but you have to stay on it and you have to really be aggressive with it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to like product pages, does the same strategy work on uh, a website, you know, optimizing a website as it does on a product page? Yeah. Really SEO is SEO. So if Google comes to a product page and it looks like a vending machine, right? No words, no text, no real comprehension, no real you know, what is this company anyway? What are they, what are they great at? Why should I care about them? Then Google has trouble wanting to rank it, you know, but if Google sees a lot of links coming to your product page from other people, mm-hmm. like, let's say, you, let's go back to that football helmets idea again. Let's say you have a product page and you're selling a very unique football helmet and everybody's linking to it. Like, look at this amazing football helmet. Look what it does. It's specially made for, you know, to keep you safe from collisions and that could hurt you, whatever it is. So like you start to create something that gets some buzz, it'll get links, it'll get noticed. That's the kind of thing that you need to be doing for those product pages. The reason product pages don't really rank that well is because nobody wants to link to them. Who wants to link to a product page? That's not fun. So SEO can work on product pages. You just have to find a reason to try to encourage people to link to it. And you have to write on it. I've heard a very odd, my career the entire time, nobody likes to read on the internet. Yes, they do. Yeah, they absolutely do. So a product page that's very descriptive, very helpful, and, you know, helps people make a good decision is why Google would want to rank that number one. Hmm. Makes a lot of sense. 
Like, what are some common mistakes you see on a website or on a product page people make? I see with these little snippets of text that's filled with keywords in hopes that that's going to be enough to convince Google that this page is the authority of all the other pages selling that product. That isn't going to work. You have to earn mm -hmm. that from Google. You have to prove to them that you're the authority. You have to prove to them that you're the, the most valuable option. And you can't do that by shortcutting with little chunks of text. If your competitors are just as not optimized as you, maybe that little chunk of text will work. But in 2023, unless you're in a niche industry, like you're selling deer hunting blinds and all this, nobody has thought to, you know, counter you and do SEO, you'll, mm -hmm. you'll probably have to really spend some serious time figuring out better ways to prove that your website is the best and should rank the best. So yeah, SEO, unfortunately, is quite a bit of work. How does one measure the success rate of an SEO campaign? The way that I prefer to do it is simply based on revenue, right? If you're trying to sell stuff, that's your goal. Your goal is to make money. Your goal isn't to get number one rankings. So the way that we put things together, it's we're targeting certain products, we're targeting certain campaigns or services. And we look, is the landing page growing in natural traffic? Are we seeing sales come directly from that page? And we just look at analytics and search console, right? The two Google tools that are free for us to use and provides us great information to really give us a sense of, are we being successful with SEO? There are ranking reports that I know a lot of people love to count on. Are, are you familiar with those and how they work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not even that big a fan of ranking reports because of the way that Google works. Google, you could rank number three in Jacksonville for football helmets. And I'll say, oh, really? Let me go look here in Philadelphia. Now I see on page 10 because <laughs> Google right. can be that different and right. the way it is. So how are you using rankings as a fair measurement? I mm. like rankings as directional. So if football helmets is somewhere around three to position three to 10, you know, I go, all right, well, then that's also representative of football helmets for sale, red football helmets, helmets for small heads, like everything within that topic probably floats somewhere around, you know, that page if you're authoritative for that topic. So I don't actually go after every single keyword, but all the keywords in rank trackers, I put the keywords that represent the topic of the page. And if I see those ranks go up, I go, I generally am doing better for this topic. It's great. That allows me to not get the phone calls. Hey, we lost a number one ranking because that's, oh, that's a headache all day long. It's right. like, yeah, you're gonna, you're never going to keep a number one ranking forever. It's part of the game. Google shuffles this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the, the website, the e-commerce website architecture, what are some things that one needs or an e-commerce entrepreneur needs to keep in mind when, you know, when it comes to that? Yeah, the architecture on, the, on an e-com site is really important. Usually you, you start something like a blog and there's dynamic pages and you can get a little out of hand, but e-com platforms, any enterprise platform, even news platforms can get really out of hand where all of a sudden, you know, it's making, I had a client five years ago on a very popular e-com platform. Their platform was creating 50 versions of each product. So if they had a, you know, a million products, well, now they had 50 of each one of them to add to it. That's a lot more pages than Google mm -hmm. should ever have to pay attention to. I only want them to pay attention to the one canonical page that represents the product, not the, the myriad of extra pages that this platform spit out. So if you don't really have control of the e-com platform and it's doing things like that on the side, and maybe it's also slow, because a lot of times we put a lot of extra stuff 
into our e-com platforms for users that tend to slow it down. Google doesn't want to serve a slow page as, as little as a user who searches Google wants to land on a slow page from Google. So a lot of tech stuff goes into e-com. So a lot of things like looking at, you know, where the crawlers are going on the site, are they really going to the pages we want them to go to? Is the page loading fast enough? You know, that three second rule. I, I think I read a stat just recently. It's if your site is like slower than three seconds, 50% of your traffic will drop. Like that's crazy. So yeah, that's tech SEO in my mind. It may not sound like SEO, but it is SEO because if, mm. if, if it's not, if your website's not fast, yeah. if it's not usable, then Google doesn't want to serve it. So we used to think about that kind of stuff as not SEO. We thought about it as design and usability. Um, right. I think it's all part of SEO now. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Shifting gears, content, you know, creating content, you know, creating rich content, content that serves a purpose. What are some important aspects when it comes to creating content? How often, what type of content, length-wise? Yeah, kind of give us some visibility there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff you'll read that says it has to be long-form content. You have to post every day. None of that's true. If that were true, by the way, then it would be pretty easy to gain Google. And therefore, Google will not allow that to be true. Trust me on that one. So the, really, the idea is not so much about how much... It's not volume. It's about quality. It's about what you're saying. Are you, are you saying something that needs to be said? I'd rather not post every single day if I have nothing to say. But if I have mm -hmm. one article to post, it's really important. It covers a lot of topics and it's, you know, it's a holistic coverage of a thing that needs to be said and that I want to be an authority of, then I'm going to spend my time to make sure that looks good, make sure that it's nice and rich and answers all the questions that anybody could ask. So I'll do the content research to see what the questions are that people are asking. I'm going to look at who else is ranking well for that content. I want to see what they're missing. First, you know what I really want to do is copy what they're doing and then 10x what they're doing. That's the best play. If you can be 10 times better than the person ranking number one, you, you probably will eventually get the number one. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Look at num what number one's doing? Yeah, absolutely. I love doing that. I go through the search engine result pages and I take... I open up every single web page and I take notes down like old fashioned, you know, tended paper if you want and just say, okay, I'm noticing that there's a trend here. There's a lot of Google maps on these pages. I'm noticing a lot of them have a form here. People seem to like mm. the, Google seems to like when I put, when you put the form there and I look at the, the characteristics and, you know, I just you know, think about the correlations and if I can make my page compete and look like that, but then expand upon it on top of it with even better mm. content, mm. with better pictures, with better usability. That's how you win. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's quite interesting. So frequency is not necessarily important. Uh, the size is not necessarily important. It's the quality. Yeah, because here's why. Google, Google will read all that, and they'll be able to look at that and say, wow, these guys are over-SEOing it. They're just writing for search engines, and that mm -hmm. will never be okay with Google again. Google wants to make sure that you're doing work not to manipulate an algorithm, mm -hmm. but to please a customer. And if Google sees that your website's pleasing a customer, you're pleasing Google. And that's how we think about SEO mm. or should be in now, my opinion. The big question I have, Bill, is where does Chat GPT come into this, all this, with, you know, it creating, being able to be or able to create content within seconds. How does that fit in? Should an e-commerce brand consider Chat GPT or is that content that's not going to be really usable for SEO purposes? Oh, I hear it's already ranking pretty well. 
<laughs> so essentially, you know, AI, AI has always been out there. AI has been there in Google for years already. They started talking about rank brain years ago. So AI isn't new, but this new sort of awareness of it is new. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the latest wave of chat GPT has just been incredible. I mean, it really has been a game changer. So even though that stuff does get manufactured, it does get created en masse and it does get pushed out to Google and Google does index it and Google does rank it. Google has said, we don't mind that it's created by AI as long as it's as good as it is, as long as it's as good as it's supposed to be and has always been. So in my mind, use it as a tool. It is a tool to help a marketer do better work. And that's how I use AI right now. At, at some point, Google's going to start having much more of a answer engine in their search results. That's what AI is going to help them with. I don't see a point where Google's going to not serve rankings, right? Because the one thing about AI, it can't get the question right for everybody. So I think there's still going to be plenty of traditional SEO on the search engine result pages. But I think it's going to, to make Google, honestly, I think it's going to make Google even better. How many times have you gone to Google and, and asked a question, you get like a wishy-washy answer or a ton of scattered, you know, things to click to maybe try to source that answer. AI is going to help Google get better at giving those answers. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And yeah. Yeah. And SEOs, we're the ones helping Google see the value. Mm -hmm. So we're going to feed into the AI eventually. Mm -hmm. So, so the bar has risen where in, in the past we could have gotten away with average content. Now we really got to create even better content because you've got competitors using AI when they're creating content. So we got to one up there. Yeah. Yeah. And the old days, which I you know, mentioned, I'm old, I'm an old SEO. You're right. But in the old days, it used to be a lot easier to trick Google. I mean, I could put up keyword on the first page for a few hours mm. of work. It was that easy once upon a time. And that is why Google will never let it be that way again. And you hear people all the time say, oh yeah, I guarantee I'll get you on the first page for $500. Well, how many hours is that going to take for the first page? I'm sure that'll take 50, 60 hours. If you're in a competitive market, $500 divided by 60 hours, that's not a very high hourly rate. And it's probably not the hourly rate of a seasoned SEO. So mm -hmm. everybody should be pretty careful when they're, when they're getting pitches that are too good to be true for SEO, mm -hmm. because SEO is hard, much harder than many people say, but right. here's why I love it. Because mm -hmm. if you're the kind of person, you know, if you're the kind of CMO, who's like, I'm looking for different marketing channels. I recognize that organic search draws potentially the most traffic, which is mm -hmm. the case in most case studies I see. Well, then if you're the kind of CEO that's or CMO, that's willing to jump in and say, let's do this for a couple of years. Once we get the flywheel going, once the engine's running, then we know this thing's just going to start paying us back, you know, exponentially, it's going to offset all of those years of trying to get there. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the way to play SEO. Cause I see too many people going in and say, I'm going to try it for like six months. Oh, I didn't get anything. SEO doesn't work. It's not real. No, it works. You, you only did six months. You can't, mm. you know, if you've never run a day in your life and you want to run the Boston marathon, it takes you more than six months to train. Mm. We're not much different than that. SEOs mm. are basically doctors trying to find an ailment on a website mm. that's keeping it from getting to where it wants to be, which is first place. Mm. Mm. Now, what advice would you give to, you know, to a business, an e-commerce business, where they're saying SEO or PPC, what should they do? Should they do the organic or should they do paper, click marketing, Facebook ads, Google ads, and the like? 
PPC is going to get you there faster. PPC is more forecastable. You get more data back from Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and all the ones who do the PPC. SEO, it's it's a different product. It's a different animal altogether. You know, you get it, you get some data back. You don't get nearly as much as you get when you pay Google for the data, right? So when you pay the ads. So it depends on your approach. I would love you to do both. Start doing PPC, grab the ROI right away, but also start doing the SEO, but know that you're probably not going to see anything for a year or two. Unless you're having, you're in a niche and nobody else is competing with you. So that's generally the way I like to start. It's not necessarily, you know, right for everybody, but if you can do both, do both. Mm-hmm. At some point this you is... might get to a spot where, you know, the SEO is doing so well that you can start ratcheting down your, your paid spend. Mm-hmm. Come on. And you know, the thing with SEO, and I think you, you, you kind of alluded to it, right? It's going to take a, a, a little while to get there, but then it's going to pay dividends over time, right? It's like front-end work in a way. Right. Is that correct? It is now. And it didn't used to be, and I know a lot of people still forget that, you know, it, it, or, or still think it is that way, but it is now that way. There, you have to get that thing running. You have to get that machine running. There's almost a never, unless you're really lucky, there's almost never silver bullets and quick wins. Mm-hmm. This has been great, Bill. Really appreciate all the, the you know, the insights, all the, you know, the wisdom you've shared with us that's come accumulated, you've accumulated over from 96, which is quite a few years, <laughs> you know, that, that's great. Anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? The thing we, we talked a little about technical, we talked about on page. The last thing I would love to say is, so we can round it out. The third part of SEO that most people talk about are links, getting links from other websites, still mm. very important, right? But when Google first came out, and I'll do this very quickly. When Google first came out, there was a ton of other search engines out there. I was working on all of them. And then Google came out and started to, to win favor. Their results were definitely better. And the reason their results were better is because the two founders of Google had this idea. Nobody else was doing this. They said, why don't we, as we crawl the web with our Google bots, why don't we take note of who's linking to who? So if, for example, the ASPCA is linking to billsdogblog.com, Let's count that as a vote of confidence. And that mm. vote became a signal. And that signal helped rank those pages. So we've got way better results from it. But as soon as SEOs figured out, oh, that's the trick. We just got to get links to our client's site. Mm. Then we started spamming the internet, right? right? So now Google had a problem. Great. We right. found this great thing. SEOs ruined right. it. So we have to figure out how to count links but not links that are bought, not links that are like spammy links, not links that are just stuck on WordPress forums, not links that are in social media, because all of that is easy to get. But real links that basically refer you, basically give you a vote of, of you know, hey, you're doing something great, so I link to you. Those are mm-hmm. the links that help your SEO. So anytime you're building anything new, reach out to your market, reach out to your friends, reach out to the to your industry, reach out, you know, in social posts, try to get things interesting so people want to link back to you and that'll help your mm. seo great good advice bill thank you so much what's the best way for folks to reach out to you oh you can email me at bill at greenlanemarketing.com you can check us out at greenlanemarketing.com you can hit me up on linkedin bill Seabald is my name you can find me on twitter at bill Seabald. i love being helpful and if anyone, anybody listening to this would love to ask me a question, those are the ways to find me. I will respond. That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Bill. Appreciate you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the e-commerce money map podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find them at ecommercemoneymap.com or on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want to learn more about the e-commerce accounting hub, visit ecommerceaccountinghub.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the e-commerce money map podcast.